someone here that needs to utter those words this evening. Here I am, Lord. And I would encourage you, one of the greatest decisions I ever made in my life uh, was just surrendering my all to the Lord and saying, Lord, here I am. Whatever you decide to do, wherever you take me, uh, Lord, whatever your will is, I, I yield myself to you. And it's a daily battle. Every single one of us faces those decisions, those battles every single day of our lives, and we have to yield ourselves to the Lord. Uh, but it's something that is essential uh, in moving forward. And so I would encourage you, uh, here I am, Lord. Uh, just allow the Lord to use you. But thank you for that special this evening. Philippians chapter number one tonight, Philippians chapter one, I want to draw your attention to a few things. One of the, the, the great privileges uh, and also one of the things that sometimes we can take for granted within the local church and really just in general is the, the joy of being able to labor together as a church. Uh, it, it's a privilege. Uh, it, it's an honor. Uh, it's humbling. It's, it's, a, it's something that is exciting. And I was reminded of that yesterday as we were out and there was just people everywhere just, just working on the property, getting things done. And I was reminded of, of just how much fun it can be, uh, how much joy serving the Lord together with your church family truly is. Uh, people having conversations while they're cleaning and people having conversations while they're carrying things to an entire dumpster all the way across the way and, and just having a good time. The young, uh, the, the, the young people were down in the gymnasium carrying chairs, moving chairs around, setting up the gymnasium and, and trying to relocate everything that we needed to be in the right spaces. And I'm walking around the corner and hearing them laughing together and enjoying themselves. And you begin to think about that and there, there's something to that. There, there's something to just laboring together and enjoying each other's company and being able to, to work together to accomplish something that the Lord desires to be done and done in the right way. And yesterday was a great reminder to me that you can labor in such a way where you don't have to gripe about it. Now, look, I think if we were to all, all agree for this or acknowledge this, uh, cleaning is not always a fun thing. Right? Like, like we, we don't always enjoy just nonstop cleaning or having to pick things up or spruce up or whatever the case might be. Yet, it's very interesting because, again, as I walk the property, I continue to hear people laughing. Seeing people with smiles on their faces, uh, conversations being had, and, and just joy. And so now you come and you begin to realize what Paul is dealing with in a way when he begins to go in chapter 1, the book of Philippians, and he says these words, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. In verse number 3, you are introduced, as we've already made reference to many times over the last couple of years, Paul's heart. Paul here is not shying away from this. He is saying, look, this is my heart towards you. This is how I feel, as he says, every remembrance of you. But he goes on and he uses a statement in verse number, four, uh, verse number five here in just a moment. I want you to notice. He says, always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, if you walk through chapter number one, you're going to see many times a statement concerning something and then in the gospel. The very first one is fellowship in the gospel. 
In verse number 7, you see that he says defense and confirmation of the gospel. Verse number 12, you see that he says furtherance of the gospel. Again, verse number 17, defense of the gospel. And you go on, you come all the way to verse number 27. At the very end, the faith of the gospel. So he is emphasizing something here. But for just a moment, I want to draw your attention back to verse number 5 as he says, for your fellowship in the gospel. I want to ask you this question for just a moment because this is something that we can take for granted. And that is the opportunity that we have to participate in the Lord's work together. I wonder if you've gotten used to that. I wonder if you have just kind of said, you know what? Yeah, we get to to labor together, but I sure would be rather laboring somewhere else. I sure would rather be laboring with someone else. I sure would rather just be doing something by myself. Oh, I want to urge you not to take for granted what the Lord is trying to do as he allows us the opportunity to fellowship together in the gospel, laboring together to see what God can accomplish. There's a great joy in it. It's a privilege. It's an honor to labor together. I've shared this before, but as you walk through these verses, you begin to see that Paul is making certain statements and he's dealing with this in such a way where he says in verse number three, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. And this is speaking of that statement. We've shared this before, but him having his mind on the people. They were on his mind and he enjoyed thinking about them and and what they were doing for the Lord and how they were laboring together to accomplish what God intended for them to accomplish. But I want you to think about a couple of things this evening because we are united in this one common thing, the fellowship of the gospel. We're united in that. As you think about that statement being united, I pray it's something that draws us closer to each other as we think about a couple of things that we are united through and it is unbroken concerning that one word, fellowship. We are united through fellowship. We get to labor together. As you walk through Scripture, you'll find that Paul is dealing with this. And as you walk through the book of Philippians, you'll see in chapter number 4, go with me for just a moment, because this is something that we are united through as we think about being united through giving and, and, and serving the Lord together, but specifically giving to the mission field and giving to the work of the Lord. We're united in that and what great joy it is. I think about this property as we think about the last year. It was over a year ago when we as a church were united in saying, hey, we have to raise this amount of funds. Let's do it for the glory of God. Lord, if you're in this, we want to be in this. And Lord, we're going to follow you. And we were united as one church in our giving. Notice what he says here in chapter number 4. And in verse number 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye ye have well done that... Ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. You know, when missionary letters are written from the pulpit on Wednesday evenings, and Brother Zach stands and he reads a missionary update and he gives an update, we have a part in what the Lord is doing on that mission field. And guess what? We're united in that together. What a joy it is. It's an honor to hear of some of the things that God is doing in some of the parts of this world, and we're able to be united in that, and we're giving to that. We're giving to the work of the Lord, and we're giving to missionaries who are trying to accomplish something great for the Lord, and we're able to be united in that. Paul is dealing with that. We're united in our fellowship, the fellowship and the joy that we can take in being united in our giving. But not only in our giving, notice as he continues talking and you study throughout Paul's entire journeys, you study his life, he is speaking of being united in the fellowship concerning the preaching of God's word as well. What a joy it is to to, to be able to sit under the preaching of God's word and there are times whenever you are in agreement. You know, the word amen speaks of being in agreement. 
And so as you're, you're, you're sitting in your seats, and sometimes you might be thinking, I agree with that, we're united in the same common thing, which is the truth of God's Word. Look, if you're looking for anything to be preached but God's Word and the truth of God's Word, you're looking for the wrong things. If you're looking to be hyped up, if you're looking for just a, a little, you know, friendly word to say, hey, everything is going to be okay, but there's no scripture to back it up. And if you're looking for someone to say, hey, God loves you, you can continue to sin, you don't have to worry about that, you're in the wrong place. You're looking for the wrong things. You ought to be desiring the preaching of God's word. One of the things the Lord convicted me of uh, years ago uh, was being very cautious of what was being preached behind the pulpit. And who was preaching behind the pulpit? Because it doesn't take much to cause an issue within the local church. All of a sudden, something is being said, and and, uh, things are being questioned, and all of a sudden, you've got issues on your hand. Why? Because of some things that are said that, truthfully, ought not be said behind the pulpit. So it's a very serious thing, being united through fellowship, through the preaching of God's Word. But how about through separation and the joy that we find in separating ourselves unto the Lord? This morning, as we were able to see a lady getting saved and a lady joining the church, and as I was walking up and I was on my knee and she was telling me that she had just gotten saved, I said, could I just for a moment give you a hug and welcome you to the family of God? And she looked at me and she said, I love Jesus. I'll tell you what, that encouraged me. That stirred me up. Right then and there, I was thinking, you know what? That's all I needed to hear. Those are words with tears in her eyes. I love Jesus. And as you begin to think about separating yourself unto the work of the Lord, one of the greatest joys you'll find in the local church is that when someone says, you know what, I'm tired of trying to do things my own way, I surrender my all. There's something special about that. Paul understood this. As he says, as he's walking through making these statements, he says in verse number 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy. As he is making these statements in verse number 4, he says, in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests. He is speaking of a prayer, a petition. He is praying for these people. And I wonder tonight, when was the last time you prayed for your church family? And when was the last time that you said, Lord, be with these people. Lord, deal with these people. Encourage these people. Help these people. Lord, I love my church family. Be with these families. You had one lady over here getting saved. Another lady over here joining the church. Miss Cynthia, as we were talking for just a few moments the other day, meeting with her, she looked at me and she continued to want to talk about the children of the church. She loves seeing the children active in the local church. And she said, very simply, as she was talking to me, she said, hey, I love this church. I feel as though the Lord has knit my heart with this church. And she said, and I must tell you, I just love these children. I just love these children. Well, as you begin to think about this, you begin to think about the local church and the joy of of these children. I'm praying for these children in our church that there's going to come a day Whenever they're going to be at an old-fashioned altar, and they're going to be sitting in their seat, and they're going to be talking to the Lord and spending time with the Lord, and they're going to look at their parents and say, Mom, Dad, I just I want to surrender my life to the Lord, but how do I do that? What does that look like? And all of a sudden, we'll pull them to the side and begin to deal with them and help them understand what that means. And all of a sudden, they'll begin to understand the importance of separating themselves from the world unto the Lord. Can I share with you, there's joy in that. We fellowship in that. We can find great joy in understanding all those things. And so he goes on in this statement that he is making, all making requests with joy. You see, 
Paul was praying for people, and as you read verse number 4, he says, Always in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy. He is making these requests. He is praying, but he's praying with a great joy about it. We've got a couple of young men on this front row who believe the Lord has called them to, to, to preach, and they've surrendered that to the Lord. Some are praying about what the next steps for their lives are. And as these young people make decisions... One of the things that we are able to do is we are able to pray with great joy that, Lord, you have led them to whatever that decision is. Whether it is to this career path, whether it is to full-time ministry, whether it is to be a school teacher, whether it is to do, you name it. But, Lord, we're praying with joy that you would use that child. Lord, that you would use that Christian, whatever work field they're in, whatever career path that they go, whoever their spouse may be, whatever church they land in. Lord, wherever you put them, Lord, we're praying with great joy and confidence that you're going to use them. We get to fellowship in that. There are times whenever there is a family that will come through the local church. Their children will grow up in the local church. Their children will grow up. They will then go to college or they'll get married or whatever the case may be. And then all of a sudden they scatter. And there will be times whenever they make a trip back to wherever they grew up. And with tears sometimes in people's eyes, but with open arms, those people will wrap their arms around that child that is now an adult, that now has their own children, and with great joy... They'll have in their heart, you'll see it in their eyes, you'll sense it in their tone, and they might just say something like this, we have prayed for you many days. Every time I go back to Columbus, Georgia, there's a man who wraps his arms around me, and he gives me a hug, and he prays for all of us that have come out of Maranatha Baptist Church in Columbus, Georgia, and are elsewhere, and he'll wrap his arms around us, and he'll say, my head doesn't hit my pillow every night before I pray for you all. Can I share with you, that, that encourages me. There, there's something to that. There's something special about knowing that somewhere across this nation, there are people that are fellowshipping with us through prayer and saying, Lord, use this person. Notice what he goes on to say in verse number 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, in Psalm 57, we made reference to this this past week. And Paul is aware of this, that the Lord, whatever he starts, he wants to finish. And we're going to get to this here in just a few moments as we begin to think about this. But this is a statement that you see here in a moment that I want to draw your attention to. But before we can truly understand this one thing that is being said in verse number 6, notice at the end of verse number 5 what he goes on to say. Because we've already made reference to the fellowship and the gospel, the contribution, the participation, if you would. But he goes on and says, from the first day until now. That statement, from the first day until now, as you begin to think about this, this is something that is an ongoing work within our lives. Paul understood something when dealing with salvation, that as you continue to watch the Lord work in people's lives, the work of God that he does for us, speaking of salvation, what he did on that cross. Salvation being what God did on the cross for us. How about the work that he does in us, speaking of sanctification? Look, I don't know about you, but I, I, I take um, great joy and I enjoy the process of the Lord breaking things in my life and working things out. It's not always comfortable, but I know it's for my good. And it's not always pleasant, but I know that it has to be done. 
And as you think about Paul as he is making these statements, he is acknowledging some things from the first day until now. From the moment of salvation until now, there was a work of God that he did for you concerning salvation. There's a work of God in you concerning sanctification, but now a work of God through you concerning your service. You see, it's, it's an ongoing process. Uh, as I think about the Lord working in my own life and as he is desiring to use us, I, I wonder sometimes if we get so tied up with the things of this world that we say, Lord, I thank you for my salvation, but please stop the sanctification process. Lord, I thank you for my salvation, but Lord, please use someone else concerning service. Now, at the end of your life, you're going to look back. And in that sobering moment when you know your days are limited and your day of end is coming and you know that you're going to be face to face with your Savior, you're going to long for that day. But there are some Christians that are going to look back and their heart is going to be broken because they wasted their life doing what they wanted to do and saying, Lord, thank you for my salvation, but the rest of it you can take care of somewhere else. I think there are a lot of Christians that are going to look back and say, Lord, I wish I would have allowed you to sanctify me and bring me to be the Christian you desire me to be. Lord, to use me the way you desire to use me. Lord, I apologize that I didn't surrender my life, and I apologize for going and living the way I wanted to. And Lord, I apologize, and I ask for forgiveness for doing all of those many things because I didn't understand at the time what you were trying to do, and I was, I was saying no to all of those things. But Lord, I missed those opportunities of service. And Lord, I do ask for forgiveness. You see, that's a, a day that is coming for many people. You see, at the end of my life, and I know for many of you, at the end of your life, you want to be able to look back and say, Lord, I gave it all I had. Lord, I didn't do everything perfect. None of us are and none of us have. But, Lord, I tried to do everything you desired for me to do, Lord, as yielded as I could be. Lord, sometimes I failed and I didn't have the faith to move forward. Lord, in those moments when I knew that you were working, I really yielded myself to you, Lord. What a joy it was. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at David offering his son some advice. And you remember this. But David, as he's talking to his son, he says, know the Lord. Yeah, no, 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 know the Lord. Paul goes on and he begins to deal with this, that I may know the Lord and the power of his resurrection. The suffering of his afflictions. You begin to think about what Paul was making reference to and what he is desiring. Paul didn't want just a head knowledge of who God was. Paul wanted a heart knowledge of who God was, and Paul wanted to pass that heart knowledge to others and help them to understand that there is something to having a personal relationship with the Lord. Some years ago, I can't remember who it was and the preacher that was praying, but I remember this. A preacher got up, and he was called on to pray at the end of one of the services while we were in Bible college. And I remember just sitting over there, and I can't remember what section it was, but it was all the way to the far right I remember sitting on the second row and we were just standing there and the preacher was called on to pray and he began to pray and it was a very strange time because it was one of the very few times whenever I've been sitting in a service and I literally felt as though the preacher that was praying, the individual that was praying could care less if anyone else was in that auditorium. He was so in conversation with the Lord, he truly was, was praying in such a way where he was talking to God and not a soul was out here. And I remember, I know you're not supposed to do this. He asked, heads bowed, eyes closed. I remember that. But I remember him praying and I was just like, mesmerized. And I remember stopping and I remember thinking, that's a man who spends time with God. 
That is someone, when the statement is made by David to his son, son, know the Lord. That man knows the Lord. He, he, he knows as he is communicating with the Lord, he is getting alone with God. And you could tell that it was real, that it was authentic, that it wasn't just some smooth words. It was real. And as you begin to think about that in our own personal lives, I believe that is a desire of the Lord that we would know him and that we would be serious about it. There was a, pre- uh, there was a, a wife who approached the preacher one time. And as she approached the preacher one time, she was fussing about her husband. And uh, she was fussing because she said, hey, my husband and I, we have just drifted apart. We don't spend time together. And when we, we ride in the car together, we don't talk and we don't do all of these many things anymore. And we've just drifted. And uh, she was fussing to the preacher. And the preacher said, well, you need to go have an honest conversation with your husband. So she goes home and she begins to, to fuss at him and he's like, well, give me an example. What exactly are you talking about? She said, well, when we were dating, we used to ride in your truck and I would sit in the, the middle seat and we would talk and we'd have a good time. and We'd spend time together. He looked at his wife and he said, well, I haven't moved. Can I share with you? Sometimes that's the exact same way we view our relationship with the Lord. The Lord is all the while saying, I've not changed. I've not gone anywhere. I've not moved. Hey, you're you're fussing about these things. None of my commandments have changed. None of the principles in my word have changed. Nothing in this book right here that helped you all of those years that you're fussing about. None of those things have changed. So it's not me. And we end up gripe about certain things. The Lord is saying, hold up for just a moment. Let's step back and let's reevaluate. That husband looked at his wife and said, I haven't moved. I wonder this evening if you've moved, if you've drifted. Paul hears he is making these statements from the first day until now. And he's making this very clear, the work of God that he does for us concerning salvation, the work of God in us concerning sanctification, the work that God does through us concerning service. I wonder this evening if you desire for the Lord to work in your life that way. We acknowledge our salvation What about the sanctification process of getting rid of what doesn't need to be there and bringing us to be the Christian he saved us to be? What about the sending out process of using us and helping us to serve? We were talking about this this morning in our Sunday school hour. But sometimes we begin to limit God to what we think we view service as and the opportunities to serve. Can I share with you, there are more opportunities to serve the Lord than we even realize Sometimes we look at serving the Lord and we say, well, I'm not a Sunday school teacher, so I can't really serve the Lord. Hold up for a moment. You can serve in many, many ways. Just this past week, I was reminded of that as we were having a staff meeting and we were talking and we're trying to move in certain directions and get some things established. And Brother Zach was sharing a little bit about the soul winning. And I said, hey, let's think outside the box. And they're trying to get into the fire departments and trying to get into the police stations and trying to get into the farmer's market and trying to do. Why? Because the reach is great. It's not just door to door. No, it's community. It's walking up to people as they're shopping for groceries at a farmer's market and saying, hey, we're from Gateway Baptist Church. We'd love for you to come. Be my guest. Sit on the front row of my family. You you can't say front row. Sit in the third row of my family. You know, getting, getting into the community. 
as we're trying to get into the public schools and we're trying to do all these many things, it's, it's not limiting God and saying, Lord, if I'm not doing it on Sundays, then I guess I can't serve. No. See, that's the joy of serving the Lord. It's not just on Sundays. It's not just on Wednesdays. It's living a life of service. Lord, I yield myself to you. Lord, wherever you would have for me, Lord, I desire to do. So we think about the fellowship and the gospel here. In verses 7 and 8, he goes on, he says, even as his meat for me to think this of you all. That word me, speaking of being right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart and as much as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. You're all partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. One of the great joys that we've already made reference to is fellowshipping with the, 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 the people of God. And, and Paul makes reference to this as he says this, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, speaking of having them in, on his mind and thinking about that. But these, and this statement now is speaking of having the people of God on his heart. I asked you a minute ago, when was the last time you prayed for your church family? Let me ask you this question. When was the last time you got a burden for someone in the local church that was a church member of yours? You say, you know what? I want to be an encouragement to them. When was the last time? It doesn't take much work. It doesn't take much effort. It just takes a willing spirit to walk up to someone, wrap your arms around them, and say, I, I love you. I'm praying for you. What can I do to be an encouragement to you? It does not take that much effort. As you begin to think about that, doing something to encourage someone else. It was a statement was made many years ago that Christians who practice love experience joy. And we believe that to be true. We find it in the book of Galatians. And I wonder this evening if you have been practicing love. You see, it's been a, a, a true statement for many years. And until you try it, you'll never understand it. But the statement that has been made many, many times concerning people that you find much more joy in giving than receiving is a true statement. You think, no, if someone gave me this, man, I'd be the happiest person in the world. Yeah, but what about when you give someone something to someone and all of a sudden you see their face light up because you see that they truly needed that? Sometimes it's a simple text message. Sometimes it's a phone call. Sometimes it's just letting them know. Sometimes it's getting them something that they need, whatever the case may be. But you find great joy in giving rather than receiving. You see, Christians who practice love experience joy, for God is love. Number three, we continue walking on down, verses 9 through 11. We're just kind of summarizing some of these things. But this is so true as we saw this yesterday. He says in verse number 9, And this I pray that your love may abound. The word abound speaks of overflowing, if you would. Love, speaking of that, that great potential that could take place, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. That ye may approve things that are excellent, that may be, ye may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the first fruit, or with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. We see that he begins to go on as he is continuing to say this in verse number nine, and this I pray. Had the people of God on his mind, thinking on them, and the people of God in his heart, and the people of God on his lips. I want to encourage you tonight. Nothing extravagant, nothing out of the ordinary that you're saying, wow, that is just a wow factor here. 
But I think one of the things oftentimes in local church we take for granted is the joy that we have in fellowshipping together. The people of God. If you go and you begin to visit churches all across this country, you'll walk into some churches and you'll say, you know what, that is a church that loves each other. That is a church that is fellowshipping together. They understand the one common goal of reaching souls and serving the Lord and worshiping and exalting His name. And you'll take great joy in that. You'll walk in some churches across this nation and and across the world, and you'll walk in and you'll say, that is a church that doesn't understand what God could do if they'd start getting along and stop bickering at each other. Yesterday, I saw a church, as I walked the property, people laughing. People experiencing joy and just serving the Lord, but doing it together. And I encourage you tonight, let's not take for granted what God has established here what he's trying to accomplish here, and the privilege we have to serve the Lord together. You see, I believe the Lord has just gotten started. I believe he has great things in store for our church. But let's keep him at the forefront. And let's look to him and say, Lord, help me to love my church family, to fellowship and understand it's the fellowship of the gospel. In all matters of our lives, may we put the gospel to the forefront and say, Lord, use us as a body of Christ to reach our community, to show the love of Christ to a community where there are people that are looking at the church and saying, oh, Christians, they bicker in this and this and this. And they say, but Gateway Baptist Church, that's a church that loves each other. That's a church that serves the Lord together. That's a church that is trying to do something, not for themselves, but for the glory of God. Well, we do thank you tonight. Lord, we come to you rejoicing in how you are working in our church and what you are doing. And Lord, these thoughts ran through my mind yesterday as I was walking the property and seeing all of what was taking place. And Lord, I think about the words of Paul for just a few moments. Paul here, addressing some of these things. And Lord, Paul loved people. Lord, I pray that you would help us to love people. Lord, Paul loved his fellow laborers. I pray that you would help us to love each other. Lord, Paul loved serving you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to love the privilege and the the great joy that we find in serving you. Lord, I believe Paul took great joy in knowing that those people were given to you, surrendered and serving. And Lord, they had a burden for him. He acknowledges that. They had the great love for him. He acknowledges that. But Lord, the one thing that we find to be true is they loved you. Lord, help us to fall in love with you and together to move forward the fellowship of the gospel. I pray that you would use this tonight, Lord. I pray that we would spend some time in prayer acknowledging these things. Maybe find ourselves at the altar together praying and asking that you would strengthen our bond. That we'd be unified. I pray that you would guide us now. Be with this invitation. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.